reporting Niger's coup. We go behind the scenes to find out how International SOS responded to initial reports on social media of an attempt to remove the country's president, to being able to verify exactly what was happening and provide reliable updates to the organisations we work with. It can be really difficult to establish precise details when you have a situation like this. We do require multiple reliable and independent sources as part of our verification process before we push an alert out. And we look at the difficulties we faced in trying to establish the facts quickly as events unfolded in Niger. The media is less developed, so it can take a while for information to surface. There also isn't really a high level of social media usage, particularly outside of the capital. So that can be a challenge as well in terms of getting timely information on ongoing developments. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, this is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organisation. And in this episode, we take a closer look at the coup in Niger and offer insights into what could happen next. Well, joining me from our London Assistance Centre is Kiana Kataria, International SOS's Lead Security Analyst for Western Central Africa and Security Specialist Ope Babatunde. So, Kiana, can you tell us what were the first signs of the coup unfolding? Yeah, so about 10 a.m. local time, we started seeing some reports through our social media scraping tools suggesting that a coup attempt was underway in the capital Niamey. Um, So these initial reports were very vague. They were coming from a few local Twitter accounts, and they were essentially saying that military personnel had blocked off roads in the vicinity of the presidential palace. So in my time at International SOS, I've seen similar reports for Niger come up several times as fake news. So we knew that this was something that we would need to thoroughly investigate. And at this stage, there was nothing in either local or international media on the topic. So what we did was that we reached out to our credentialed security partner and other local contacts on the ground for further information. And through the course of the next couple of minutes, they were able to verify that there was some unusual military activity in the area, but that the details were unclear. And really, this is often how it is at the start of a situation like this. Until you have soldiers coming out and stating this is a coup, you can't really be 100% sure that that is what is happening. But of course, we've seen quite a number of coups in the region in recent years. You could say it's becoming a bit of a trend. So there are, of course, indicators to suggest that we might be dealing with a coup. And unusual military activity around government buildings is one of those signs. So while you were monitoring the situation, what were you thinking about with regards to reporting on this and and pulling together advice for clients? Yeah, well, when you have a development like this, it's really important to stick to what we know is happening and where and to avoid any form of speculation. So in our first alert, which we issued around 11 a.m., we focused on the fact that there were reports of unusual military activity near the presidential palace and that the nearby Boulevard de la République road had been blocked off. So really at this stage, we're issuing short alerts because the aim is to get the information that we're able to verify out to clients quickly and crucially with some related advice as well on what they need to do with the analysis and more context to come later on. So in that first alert, we just advise clients to exercise caution and to avoid the vicinity of the presidential palace. 
And after the publication of that alert, we started to see more information coming out. So there were reports that President Mohammed Bazoum was being held within the palace and that the developments were potentially linked to a dispute between the president and the presidential guard over the future leadership of the unit. So at this stage, we knew that talks were ongoing between the president and the head of the presidential guard, General Chiani. So the situation on the ground was still calm. We had no reports of gunfire or clashes or anything like that. And there was no immediate danger to our clients. All of this activity was taking place within the presidential palace itself, which was a good sign. But we also knew that the situation could potentially escalate if those talks were to, to break down, for example, potentially resulting in gunfire, protests or clashes between military units. So we updated our alert to advise clients to minimize non-essential movement across the capital until further notice. And then finally, later in the evening, we saw that there were some reports of live gunfire near the presidential palace. And at this stage, it was becoming a lot clearer that a coup attempt was underway. Um, we were seeing also that there were gatherings in support of the president and that presidential guard forces had used live ammunition to disperse those crowds. So at this point, we issued our highest level of alert, which we call a special advisory, advising clients in the army to stand fast as this was now a threat to life type of situation. So as you're following developments, what would you say are some of the challenges that you face in verifying information related to the type of developments we've been talking about? As I mentioned earlier, it can be really difficult to establish precise details when you have a situation like this. We do require multiple reliable and independent sources as part of our verification process before we push an alert out. So looking at Niger, the information environment is quite restricted already in the country. The media is less developed, so it can take a while for information to surface. There also isn't really a high level of social media usage, particularly outside of the capital. So that can be a challenge as well in terms of getting timely information on ongoing developments. But more generally, one of the biggest challenges is related to fake news. There can be a lot of information circulating on social media that is hard to verify. What we see is that people often repost the same information over and over. So the number of reports that you're seeing is not really an indicator of how reliable or accurate that information is either. So some of the things that we do at International SOS to counter this is that, as I mentioned earlier, we do try and reach out to our contacts in country. We also put a lot of effort into doing the work beforehand. So we regularly conduct country assessment trips to establish these networks that we can then use in times of escalation and when we need to verify information. And myself and the other lead analysts, we also put a lot of effort into developing lists of active and reliable sources. So things like local media, but also journalists, etc., that share good information on developments in, in the country. Okay, Kiana, thanks for now. Now let's talk to security specialist Ope Bavatunde, who was also involved in monitoring developments as they unfolded. Ope, I understand that you were reporting on some of the demonstrations that have taken place in Niger in support of the coup. So can you tell me about how International SOS is able to help keep the organisations that we work with up to date with what's going on in these kinds of events? From what we've seen during previous coups, we expect protests either in support of or in opposition of the military takeover. 
We had already seen a gathering in support of the ousted president, which was dispersed with live ammunition. Following that, I picked up on the chatter on social media regarding another planned protest on the Sunday right after the coup. So I wanted to understand what the likely impact might be. Something that helps this assessment is if we understand who is organizing the protest, what their views are, previous protests that they have held, and how unruly these have been. The M62, which was the group behind the demonstration, is a popular civil society group in Niger that had previously called for demonstrations during the leadership of Mohamed Bazoum. So the group have strongly opposed the 2022 redeployment of the Operation Barkane from Mali to Niger. We're always sensitive to the possibility of increasing anti-French sentiment and distance to come out during such protests. This is something that would flag as possible risk in the immediate wake of the coup. So I was particularly interested in this protest, knowing that the M62 had historically been opposed to French military presence in the country. So I factored into the advice we provided to clients, which was to avoid the planned gathering. And in fact, we did see that protesters gathered at the French embassy during the weekend. And what kind of information are you looking for when you're going about compiling these alerts? We typically look for the who, what, when and where. I had identified that they were going to gather at Tuomo in the early morning before marching towards Place de la Constitution. So I advised clients to avoid the rally as a precaution. If travel in the vicinity of the gathering was unavoidable, they should ensure that the roads were clear prior to setting out. I also advised clients to leave an area at the first sign of unrest, as other spontaneous gatherings may occur, to anticipate heightened security around the rally and follow all official directives. Thanks, Ope. So returning to you, Kiana, and earlier you spoke about coups becoming a strong trend in Africa over the past few years. So are there any commonalities in terms of precipitating factors about how these coups then play out? And what are the signs international SOS will typically look for? Yeah, so in terms of precipitating factors, you could point to a couple, one of those being a sharp increase in insecurity um, or high levels of pre-existing anti-government sentiment, which might manifest itself in in protest activity, so anti-government protests and things like that. Another factor would be discontent with military strategy. So, for example, in Burkina Faso, which recently experienced two coups last year, we saw that where the military did not agree with the counterinsurgency strategy in the country. And here in Niger, some of the coup leaders have since come out to criticise the government's relationship with European security partners as well. But more generally, we hadn't really seen these factors as much in Niger, which was interesting. There has been an increase in insecurity linked to, to militant activity in the country, but not to the same degree as in other countries, such as Mali and Burkina Faso, that have also recently experienced coups. There were also some reports coming out that this might actually be more linked to a personal dispute. So between General Chiani, the head of the presidential guard, who was later confirmed to be the leader of the coup, there were rumours circulating that President Bazoum was planning on replacing him as the head of the presidential guard. So that might actually have been at the root of this action. And how do coups generally unfold? Often it will begin in a way that is similar to what we saw in, in Niger. So you might see reports of unusual military activity. Quite often that will take place in the vicinity of the presidential palace. Or you might see reports of gunfire in, in military barracks. This will often begin in the early morning hours. 
And then later, as the situation progresses, you will see reports that the head of state is being held. Detaining the head of state is really a key stage in, in an uprising. And after that, you might see people taking to the streets, either in favor or against the coup. And then finally, soldiers will seize control of the national broadcaster, which they will basically use as a means to announce to the public that they've taken over the country. And what happens after that? Well, in the immediate aftermath of the announcement of a military coup, we tend to see the closure of international air and land borders, and the imposition of a nationwide overnight curfew, and often the dissolution of the constitution. Occasionally, we will also see short-term internet and communication outages. And then in the subsequent days, coups are often followed by either pro- or anti-coup gatherings. But in terms of kind of the post-coup transition, although it's really important to look at each country uniquely based on their own historical, political and economic circumstances, military coups have increased in frequency in this region. So despite the fact that Many of these initial transfers of powers have been relatively peaceful in the short term. Further challenges emerge from formalizing and accepting the new leadership and actualizing transition plans. So we've seen protracted transition timelines to conduct referendums, to adopt new constitutions and hold democratic elections and to improve the security landscape. In the case of Mali and Burkina Faso, these countries have subsequently experienced secondary coups and none of these countries are currently scheduled to hold presidential elections until at least 2024. So when it comes to Niger, what's our outlook for the situation? We expect that the situation will remain stable but tense over the coming weeks. The most immediate implication for workforce in country will be the challenging logistical environment. ECOWAS has also imposed various sanctions and border closures, which could also lead to shortages of key goods. We might also see sporadic pro-coup demonstrations, which might be characterized by anti-ECOWAS and anti-French sentiments, though we still assess that direct threats to foreign nationals remains low at this time. But another element worth touching on is recent statements by ECOWAS threatening armed intervention unless the CNSP agrees to a return to constitutional order by the 6th of August. So we do assess that that threat is credible, but still the unlikely outcome. We've seen that ECOWAS's response to previous regional coups in Burkina Faso, Guinea and Mali was relatively restrained and ineffective. And so the bloc is, is really trying to respond to the coup in Niger in a more robust manner. But this threat is primarily to strengthen their position in negotiations with the CNSP. Really, an intervention would take some time to organize and it would be quite complex. We would expect to see several leading indicators before any such action, such as the failure of negotiations to produce an outcome agreeable to ECOWAS, increased rhetoric from both sides, but also the mobilization of troops in neighboring countries, so Nigeria and Benin, and the movement of those troops towards Niger. So that is something that we're closely monitoring for at the moment. And finally, another low likelihood but credible scenario is, of course, a counter coup or internal military clashes. So although the military has pledged support to the CNSP, loyalties could shift as negotiations progress. 
Uh, the CNSP's moves to consolidate support could also prompt a backlash. So, for example, on the 31st of July, they began to conduct denunciations and arrests of perceived political opponents, including the arrest of the commander of the National Guard. So this is really something that we are monitoring closely for as well. Okay, Kiana, Ope. Thanks very much for all your help in explaining how international SOS reacted to the coup in Niger and for your analysis of the situation. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for now. But just a reminder, you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates on Niger from our website at internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.